Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Yes, we won a game. Sunland are off and running. We won at the weekend. Who saw it coming? Probably all of us because we were all excited anyway. But here we are, 2-1 victors. We are joined in the studio by former Sunland goalie and youth product, David Priest. Afternoon. How are you doing? Evening, wherever it is. Yeah, yeah well, it's very hot outside still. I did suggest doing an outdoor podcast. Would have been better. Uh, James Nichols, editor at Rogue Report. How are you doing? I'm good. Outdoor podcast would be a terrible idea. Yeah, probably would wind and all that. Yeah. Seagulls. you got to yeah. think of seagulls around there. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of seagulls. And uh, we've got a podcast debutant, uh, Morgan Lowry, who's recently joined Rogue Report this summer. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thank I can you. just see you there over that monitor. Just about. And pretty small. Was, it, was it a free transfer? It was a free transfer, yes. I'm not worth much more. Yeah, he does write for the Joe. Joe, is it? Sports Joe? Yeah. That's Covers right. NFL. Yeah, which we talk about that, yeah. Yeah, he likes the old throw, the throwy football. Yeah. Football. Which is your favourite sport, is it? No, definitely football. Def- but like the English Definitely football. football. <laughs> I don't mean like, I mean soccer, but I don't want to call it soccer. Yeah, so kickball. Yeah, Linda Good calls it football as well, which is nice. Soccer's yeah. all right, though. I don't I don't say the problem with soccer. Well, soccer's technically I, I, what it is. Well, exactly, yeah. I watched like, uh, there was interviews with the 1966 World Cup squad, mm-hmm. like before, or it might be the 1970 World Cup squad. And they all call it soccer. Yeah. Everyone used to call it soccer because it was like the differentiation between rugby football and soccer football, association football. Oh, so technically, soccer is right. Huh? I just I'm just going to call it soccer all the time, uh, all the time, <laughs> wherever you go. <laughs> You'll be on talk sport. Welcome to the soccer game. Yeah, yeah. You're not last long, I don't think. Uh, so let's start with just some. We'll throw out some random thoughts about yesterday's game. It's not often we do a win. I actually think this is only my third. Something to win on the podcast considering I've been doing it nearly yeah, that's quite wow. impressive. So uh David, what did you make of the game? You were there yesterday. Um I was impressed with Chortle actually. We'll start with that. I was impressed with them, considering like down the bare bones, you know, they've got a lot going on upstairs in the background. The manager doesn't really um doesn't know whether he's gonna have a job next week or not. Um I got sent a photograph of him in the bar at half two in the morning at um <laughs> where, where they were staying with at, at um the Hilton. No, at the uh at the golf course. Oh. Ramside. Ramside, yeah. yeah. So it was you know, it was a, <laughs> so you take all them things into Very consideration. Deep. I thought I did really well, like you know. Yeah, it, it was I, I was impressed with them, especially first half. And and we looked like a side who had a lot of new faces, had a lot of young faces, and need a little bit of time to get into the game. Mm-hmm. James, what did you make of it? You'll be in the South Stand singing, no doubt, were you? Yeah, as usual. It was, it was a good atmosphere from the South Stand as well, just to start off, actually. Yeah. I don't know if that resonated in the rest of the stadium, because sometimes we're a bit... No, no, it did. Yeah, I mean, it's... especially from... I mean, I'm used to sitting at the uh, 
you know the top of the stand where all the press are and mm. it's it's difficult like you said it's difficult to gauge from up there yeah. but I've got the headset on I was doing the radio for Talk Sports and it sounded like even from up there it sounded absolutely yeah. brilliant that's good I thought too did we all enjoy the introduction at the start of the game with the music I and didn't Nelson. hear any of it oh were you not there well no I was in the south so like each singing and then the, the like the scoreboards blocking the speakers so the, you barely hear anything that the oh, announcer says or any of the music in the top of the South Stand. Oh, it was really good. I thought like the introduction, they had uh, the song that Leeds used to come out with, that Strings for Yasmin was playing and stuff like that. I, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Strings for Yasmin? Yeah. Dad show for strings? No, no, it was, it was it's um, Tintin' Out. It's not, man. It's not Tiesto. Is it not Tiesto? No, I don't know why Rogue Report were tweeting that either. I was huh. going to correct them, but I was like, maybe I just don't know my music. Not really one for sounded like Tiesto to me. Oh, well, I probably... One it was, of us, after one that of was what, very like prodigy, wasn't it? <laughs> what? Invaders must die after that. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. Quite it, like is that something that was end. covered by the sort of uh, anyone upstairs that there had to be a change in music with like a change of fortunes? So I've been so many clubs where that happens. Yeah, it might be. I don't Maybe. know. I mean, I, I quite like dancing. Like. As, as if the music's the reason why we're being getting <laughs> yeah. like, uh, And the seats. Yeah. yeah. And the <laughs> seats. Uh, Morgan, what did you make of the game? Did you did you watch it? Um, yeah, I was at the game. Um, I thought the performance wasn't that great to be honest um they look like david says they look like a new team um the biggest thing though was getting a win like yeah. everything that's been done in pre-season if they hadn't won yesterday it would have fallen to pieces Definitely. everyone had been asking the questions yeah we'll go again um there was all this promise of spending money and obviously but we got the win so that was the most important what thing. i like is how unsundering the win was like everything, like how how often have we been the team to go up and then give it away especially last season the amount mm. of points we lost from winning positions last season we aren't the team to open and day, take like go behind and then like true grit, grind and grind out the results, last minute winner like that. That's not really anything. Even when we have like one in the past, the derby last season, but it's kind of just shocked that like, we just played them off the park. Hull's the same. It's not really often where it's like one of those gritty little result results more than the performance itself. Oh yeah, I mean you you look at the goal. When, when, when the, especially not when the goal was scored, obviously early on, and how it was scored, you just thought it, it was. Different, different face, the same story. It was. Yeah. It was exactly the same. It was a bit. I mean, you, you see the battle the replay, and it was. Yeah. I think he's got to it make a tackle. A massive penalty. Was, well, I don't know. I think because because he takes his it takes his touch wide. Mm. If uh, who was coming through was it? Um, can who was sent forward for them? Christ. Uh, I can't, it was the two double barrel lad. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't Lyle Taylor. <laughs> oh, I can't. It was the other guy running through. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's taking his touch across. Uh, Maguire and then if he's still in, in on goal then it gives um, it gives McLaughlin a good chance to narrow the angle mm. it's a good angle for him to come down and close a play and then everyone else can get in behind him and cover he his goal he trust his keeper yeah exactly I I mean it's, it's, it's especially 10 minutes into a game 9 minutes at the game whatever it yeah. was that you know even if you just let him go I mean, he ran the risk of getting himself sent off as well, like, you know. It was yeah, like a strikers tackle. Yeah, a couple, exactly, of, yeah. a couple of years ago, he would have been off. Yeah, of course, the because rules. they changed the rules. Yeah, yeah I mean. That was, I was mentioning on the way today, actually, how good that, like, that, that proves the double jeopardy rule is, is how good it is. Right. If, if it wasn't for that that rule being changed, he would have been off. And then Maguire, for me, arguably went on to be our man in the match after that. Yeah. And it, it changed the game after Interesting. I suppose that he was even there. Like you've got to wonder, his work ethic must be very good if he was covering. Well, it was from a corner, though, wasn't it? Wasn't wasn't he either at the edge of the box or? Yeah, we had a corner and it got there. Yeah. No, it was it was that honeyman chance when he yeah, nearly exactly. got in. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Matthew, there's been a lot of people going at Matthew saying, "Oh, where was Matthews? Why wasn't he there?" Because he was right up <laughs> with the play. Yeah. He was he was 
I don't think he put the ball in for Matthews, but he was involved in the one-two, which led to that chance. Mm. You can't run 80 yards like that. It's just inhuman. And, and they were pacey up front. Yeah, very. Really, I might not notch up front from the two up front and uh, I think there's another two in the midfield. Uh, Aribo. Aribo was excellent. Was great. Yeah. Powerful. And, and that was a bit of a worry early on because he seemed to be getting stuck with um, with Barley Mumba. And whenever there was, you know, he's, he's trying to push the ball past him, he was just pushing it beside and, and mm-hmm. powering past him. And it was, it was a bit of a worry to start on because it, it looked. Uh, I know it's it's not great a lot to judge him on that first half because he's he's got to feel himself in the game, but it looked as if he was being overrun a little bit in there. Yeah, and then later on, Mumba, I don't know if it was Mumba that changed off. It was just because Charl- Charlton's intensity dropped. Mm, yeah, like they got re- they were really tired. I think for five ten minutes or the f- end the first half, you could see they were dropping. Already, mm. never mind in the second. Yeah. I think and then they, Mumba kind of just stayed away from the physicality. He actually used his his size to a positive at one point, like literally squeezing within the players and just not getting involved in that battle and just focusing on his own game. And that's when he started coming in the game more. And I was quite impressed by because I think I, I agree. I thought he had a really poor start, mm. but I mean more so because he's sixteen, he's only a little kid. Mm. Like up against Arebo, who's he was big. Arebo yeah. was a big lad, so I, I was impressed with like Mumba's ability to. To to bring to get yourself back into the game, like I, that. I think because of the he was always the deepest one as well, and I'm I mean I've not seen a lot of him, but I'm, I know he's a he, he's a full back original, like, but I don't think he should be given that job at the back. I'm sure he's much um, you know better further forward. You could see when when we're in the uh, position in uh, possession in their their half of the pitch, somebody's getting the ball and he's technically great turning mm-hmm. out and yeah. coming out the other side. He looked so much better doing that. Yeah, I think we need. I think we miss McGeek in the middle. Mm. Missed him a lot. We needed, to, apart from like him, just shielding the back four, which he does very well. We needed someone just to keep onto the ball, dictate game, and alleviate pressure from Charlton's press. Mm. Then their like midfield diamond was so narrow; it was just completely overloading. And, that, and, and that's why you know praise Charlton at the start because is I thought we were quite poor first off, mm. but you've got to give them a lot of credit. As soon as they lost the ball, there was three or four in that area around the ball, and yeah. it would make it uncomfortable for people. And people are just having to clear clear the lines, and, and most of the time not clearing the lines very clearly either. Like they did a good job of two of making. I know we'll get on to Ozturk and Leuven's later on, but they did a really good job of pressing them because they weren't confident on the ball. First, certainly first half, the mm, two of them yeah. just didn't look comfortable after the ball, and that was because Charlton were just making them make mistakes. Which yeah, you know, that was a big part. You've got to credit. The way Lee Boy has set them up, particularly first half, and as you say, I think maybe they maybe they've not had the best preseason. Their fitness didn't seem to be near what ours was, and I think that's what probably told towards the end. But, but they didn't really have the options, or he seemed reluctant. Yeah, five, he seemed reluctant. To, yeah. yeah, and he seemed reluctant. The ones that they did have, he seemed reluctant to put them on. Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, Morgan, I'm going to throw this one at you. Uh, Gav, the managing editor of Rope Report, asks, "What do you make of the decision to take Onin off at half time? Or nine? Or nine? I don't know if I got that nine. one right or wrong. Or nine? Uh, what will that do to his confidence? Um, Confidence-wise, I think it's his first game and he's been at the club a week. So he's not had a great a great amount of time to bet in. So will it affect his confidence? I don't know. Probably David would be better um, placed hands on that, being an ex-pro yourself. Go on. But um, I think in terms of his performance, I think we're midfield was very similar in the first half. The players... Um, we didn't really have anybody um, pacey. We didn't really have anybody direct. I know Maguire grew into the game and he became more direct in the second half. Um, but the change to bring Sinclair on worked. So, I mean, I can't uh, I can't criticise Jack Ross's decision. Yeah. But 
I just think it wasn't really a it wasn't really a game for Onai and Onin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if we just call that from from now on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just think um, Honeyman, Oni, and I think it's a problem we might have, to be honest, going through the season. I thought they were quite similar. Mm. Um, they all seemed to do the basics, very tidy, but none of them really had any cutting edge. And I think one of them had to go, and Honeyman being the captain on his uh, first game at home as captain. I don't think he's ever going to be getting yeah. summed up at all it's time. time. So O'Neill actually looked a bit like, like if you look O'Neill and Mumba, like they're both making the full debut for Sunderland. O'Neill's what twenty two. He's got a full, he's got a couple of years of experience behind him, but Mumba, he's the one who looked like he was a deer in headlights at times, as opposed to Mumba, which is what you kind of expect. Mm-hmm. You'd think Mumba would be the one who's out nervous, who's getting out muscle, who's everything. But oh, that was actually O'Neill. Mm. I thought O'Neill was a little bit tidy on the ball at times. He didn't, he didn't have a great game. Didn't have a terrible game. He just didn't really have. He just wasn't really involved in the game at all. In both in any phase of this, in any phase of play, but he just looked scared. He just looked out of his depth a little bit. So I think maybe the decision to take him off was right. Him obviously. I mean, who else would it be? And then bringing Sinclair on was definitely the right thing to do. Changed the complete shape of the game, shape of the team, and everything. I suppose from Onian's perspective, though, since he signed, I mean, on Twitter, a lot of fans have been um, getting really excited about him. Yeah, yeah. and not it's probably a lot of that. pressure coming into the game. I mean, he's, he'll be seeing that on Twitter, and he'll be thinking probably. You know he's not he's not come from the Premier League. He's coming from yeah. him, so yeah, it's a lot of pressure for him. And I think with Mumba, again, he's in the same position, but he's played for the first team. He played against mm-hmm. Wolves the uh, last game of last season, three um, 0 win. So maybe in some aspects there was more pressure on O'Neill than there was Mumba. Yeah, I, th- I think O'Neill will be fine. He's got a good personality, strong personality. I think that um, in with Barley Mumba, even though he's he's getting overpowered by Uribo, and that's just. It, he was a better player than yesterday physically, and uh, but like you said, in possession, not a problem. Mm. You know, it didn't, mm. it, it didn't. The occasion and sort of uh, mental side of the game didn't phase him at all. You can see that. But with, uh, I think it's easier to for O'Neill to to take being uh, being substituted because there was a change of system. Yeah. So you can, you know uh, Jack Ross can turn around. You know rather than saying. You're not doing great. Off you come. Like it, 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 he's just saying, I'm going to change things around a bit. I need to do this. I need to put, you know, I need to put Sinclair out front and three at the back, and then, you know, so I'm just going to have to shift it around. So, you know, it's nothing against you. And so it's it's easier for him to accept that as well. Yeah, it kind of leads me on to another question I had. So for you, David, what do you think the pressure for the players actually going into this game was? Because I saw George Honeyman's interview, and he was saying that he hadn't slept the night before, really, and. I imagine, you know, for these players, this was actually the biggest game of a lot of their careers. Mm. There's so many Davidins playing at a club that is, you know, playing in front of 31,000 people yesterday and they wouldn't... Mm. I don't know if you can prepare for that if you've never been in their sort of surroundings. Like, how do you think they were coping you know, on the, the mental side of the game for that? Well, all the lads who came through uh, through the, the youth team and, and the academy and the players that were already there, they kind of know what to accept, uh, expect. They know there's going to be... There's going to be expectation. There is going to be, you know, that it that comes with playing such a in, in front of such a big crowd. But the lads who have just come in as well, they won't have been, they won't have expected that yesterday. Oh well, they might have expected it, but it's it's a different thing once you get in there, and then sort of the yeah sort of performance anxiety is ramp, ramped up, and you think you know you you you've got to do well, yeah. and so that affects your performance. But the see yesterday that uh, Jack Ross made a great point that that's got to leave them wanting more and wanting to push themselves more and expect more of themselves and know what's what the what the uh, what's required of them because it's you know it, it must have been some feeling for them yesterday to come off that pitch like regardless of how they've played 
Yeah, well, it, the, the fact that you saw that, I think it was Gucci who pretty much felt the floor as soon as the full-time whistle went. Like, and, and, but not just that, I mean, even like George Honeyman, you know, he, he's been here a long time, he knows what the club's about. Taking some stick as well recently. Well, yeah, exactly, I, and especially, you know, uh, I, I don't know whether he came out public and said, but, you know, that he was wanting away from the club yeah, at the end was, of the season. Yeah, all right, he's, he's, he's ambitious, it's all right, I don't mind that. But the fact that he's captain, sometimes, <laughs> I mean, I know myself being captain at, at different clubs, Depending how you look at it, it can be a, a millstone, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, if a, if your team loses, you take that responsibility even more so. Uh, even and and most of the time, it's not just, but you feel like, well, almost as like a manager does as well, like you know. So it's mm-hmm. the pressure's on him for in that respect as well. Uh, Mickey Luff, um, Wiseman Say podcaster, he asks after seeing Mumba perform so well yesterday, it made me think. Is it harder as a young goalkeeper playing in the first team for the first team in terms of having the confidence to marshal your back four and command your area? So I suppose he's asking, uh, is it harder being a young goalkeeper or a young outfielder? Making yeah, I suppose not taking your debut, but pretty much that. I I would say goalkeeper, just because it's with an outfield player, you get a chance to be involved more and. Your your mind is already in the game, so like whatever's happening around you, you've always got to be. You know, you've always got to be uh, aware of sort of you know, whoever you mark and where, where the ball is, and you know, and it, it that kind of becomes second nature to you. You don't have to think about things. So, goalkeeper, you get a chance to, you know, if you not not for your mind to wander. It's not like you mm. think about what you're having for tea tomorrow, but it does. It sort of it, it gives time for things to come to your head and to think about things. So, I would say that. I mean, I thought Phillips. We didn't really test him that well until till the sec- late on the second half. So it, it gave him a chance to grow into the game a little bit because he's not that most experienced. Played a few games for Cheltenham Town, a couple of non-league sides. Yeah, uh, he's only young as well. So that was that was disappointing from our point of view that we didn't test him and put him under pressure when he might have been a bit nervous. Well, the, the goal. Did you think? Uh, well, Madras goal. Did you think it was? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I still think he should have saved it. But I mean, I think there's a lot more down to his defenders than Lee Boyce after the, game, the yeah, same thing. Defending that, was awful. It, yeah. As soon as the ball goes into Madja, don't let him turn. Exactly, get close, and there's two of them drop off him, and then what that does, it unsights uh, uh, Phillips, and but even then, he he does get down to a pretty. It uh, felt like he wasn't well. expecting the shot when I certainly in the ground the way it happened, I was like he didn't think he was going to shoot there, and especially from that point of view, uh, from where he is or somewhere more central, anything that's back across you that's perceived in the near post doesn't matter how wide or acute the angle is. Mm-hmm. When it comes to defenders like that, what you're doing is you you can I don't think I don't think he did it yesterday, but what you can do is you use those defenders to guard a part of the goal and you adjust your position accordingly. So especially if you if you're in the middle of the goal and you've got a full goal to to cover and your defenders come from this side, you can come to the left a little bit, just hoping that he's going to block that side mm-hmm. of the goal. And if it goes through his legs and goes past you, it looks crap, but there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. And I think that's there's a little bit to do with the goal yesterday, like. And then the the Gooch goal. Do you think he could have done anything? He did get a fingertip to it, or was that just a too powerful a header? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, oh, yeah, he's got no chance of that. I, it had been an unbelievable save. Yeah, if he saved it. it. And the fact is, I think because he got a touch on it, he'd probably be disappointing himself. Yeah, thinking he, he might have gotten something on it. But I think, I've I seen think. a few comments to the margins where it was like, uh, was like the same misconception. It's like, oh, it's the near post. He's got to save it every time. I no. hate that. Like if if it takes a save with the whole like with this being offside. Like, but it's it's not just that. Like, if if a player, even if it's in your post, if a player hits it with that much power in it, 
Sometimes it doesn't matter if it's in your post, you just can't get to the and ball. Be, because those because those players are, I don't know, about four yards off him or something like that, one goal gets close, there's another another one behind him. So I've, I've, I've not seen the eye from behind the goal, so you can't see the, the eye line that Phillips has got. But I think if he can't see the ball and the ball comes past him, that shot from, I don't know, 16 yards away becomes maybe a 12-yard shot mm-hmm. and... You haven't got the luxury of being able to see where you know the the body shape of the player. The ball's already travelling at pace. Yeah, it's it, just it, a it, If if a goalkeeper have the view that we've got from the stands, yeah, you would have saved it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he doesn't. Uh, call me Al. We're gonna switch back to midfielders. Yeah, he asks, was there any shape to the midfield yesterday? What was O nine's role before the he went off? So, yeah. so O nine was like more box to box, but. He didn't really get a chance to show any of the attacking qualities that he had. So O9's like main role at Wickham was he was the link man between Wickham's defence and Adebayoak and Fenwa because Wickham played very direct style and I think I think Ak and Fenwa got six assists, five assists for midfield goals for midfield and three of them were for O9 himself. So three of his eight goals were assisted by Ak and Fenwa alone. So he was he was playing much basically what Honeyman plays, mm. but in a, in a little bit deeper. That's the idea. That's what he was playing last year. This year he's. It was it was it was asked to be deeper. He was, he was kind of playing the sort of like just shuffling the ball role. Like he wasn't. It's it's hard to say because he had so much little of the ball in in actual like advanced areas. Mm. See what he could have done with the ball going forwards. But Mumba was more so the one who was asked to have the responsibility of taking the ball down and dictating play. Which, to be honest, nobody in midfield did in the first mm. half at all because they were getting outnumbered in the middle. That Aribo, I think I wouldn't mind signing actually for Sutherland. I thought he had an, he had an excellent first half. Well, I, I think as a, I think his contract was up then last season. They offered him less money, and now that you know he's still under twenty, he can't go for. Uh, he has to go to a tribunal if he has to leave now. So I think there's still I think it's two clubs want to come in for a million pound. Mm. Don't find themselves Southampton actually because he's, he's still young as well. So he, he, yeah, he could, that w- that would be a great option because, I mean, further he could play probably play further forward. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But then um, we, when we switched it at half time, Honeyman dropped deeper. That so worked Honeyman, as well, didn't it? Yeah, that worked mm. a lot more. I Which, think I think we all I had a bit of trepidation. I was like, oh, Honeyman with Ballymumba in centre mid to, especially mm. now you've taken a man out as well. You, know, you think, oh, will that work? But it actually it did surprisingly well. Yeah, well, defensively, there was, there, were, there was more bodies in there. Maguire came inside. Maguire sat deep. And Maguire's very, he's, he's, he's very effective in that midfield role. And that's he kind of reminds me of the way that he plays. He's a little bit like McGeady. He's not going to run down the wing, take a man on, go get to the byline and whip it in. He, he likes to take the ball. He likes to create from deep. He doesn't really sprint a lot. He doesn't like he doesn't like get the ball and just go for a long sprint. But he's got a really nice glide. He's got really good close control. He's actually got excellent vision. I and, think... Him and the hit, but him in the middle was just like it took a lot of pressure off Honeyman and Mumba who were deeper. But the biggest thing for me was that Charlton just went two all out at the start. They had a young midfield, got a young a lot of the young young players were in the team because got so many first team injuries. And by the time we were, this crowd was like getting back on side after Marsh's goal for the whole of the second half. We just dominated with Honeyman particularly. I would say is is re- really stepped up in the second half as well, just keeping the ball going. I think um, the main reason that was as well was Charlton seemed to get tired and they dropped off I don't know if mm-hmm. part of that as well was Sinclair's pace because as soon as Sinclair mm-hmm. came on yeah, he got a few true. runs and Charlton seemed to not really know how to handle him were very one dimensional going forward in the first half and like you say Honeyman dropped a bit deeper and yeah. it worked um, but I think the introduction of Sinclair was the main reason Charlton yeah. couldn't really cope with him that first half it just it's so easy to defend that 
they, we didn't really have a we had the one chance on goal from uh, the miscued shot by Maguire where Magic uh, yeah, yeah. accidentally we should, we should just finish the first time yeah exactly but it's um, when as a defender you're happy if, if things are just being playing if you, I, I if things are being played in front of you all the time and just showing the back and then they're playing it out, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a training session, that. Mm-hmm. You, know, not, you don't have to worry about what's going on behind. But I, th- I do you know what? I thought Madger, two people I'm really impressed with this, Madger and Gooch. And Madger all game, Gooch second half. And I think Madger, he needed, he needs to play with somebody because he's yeah, linked, he, his hold-up play is brilliant. Mm-hmm. He barely gives the ball away. His movement's great, so he gives himself a yard or two to receive the ball. And then when he gets it, he just pops it off. And then the next yeah. one has to be forward and he can't do that job himself. So it's great for Sinclair, and you think that back their their back line, the went to a three that the immediately boy even admitted in the in the press conference afterwards, they hadn't even worked on it. You know, he, he says it was just something that came up late in the week. He thought that's what they, they would go for, and that 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 back three all of a sudden instead of just sitting in a line of three and defending the box, one of them was being pulled forward, one of them was being pulled yeah. back, and then people there's other people can take advantage of the spaces in between there as well. So it was. It, it worked brilliantly. It's, it's really, really disappointing that uh, Sinclair came off injured. Yeah, it, it and, it, and it sounds like a hamstring, which is three weeks. Yeah, which is a shame, and it's especially with Charlie Wyke. What you what you criticise is Wyke or Wake? You kept saying Wake. It's annoying. It's Wyke. Yeah, it's Wyke. I'm turning like the Paul Mason of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Charlie Wyke is still a couple of weeks away oh. as well. So it looks like it'll have to be unless we sign a striker. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's going to be Madger again mm-hmm. next week. Which... On the like on that Sinclair sub as well. It's it's really nice to have a manager who isn't reactive to what's happening in the pitch. He proactively changed it at half time. He identified exactly our problems. Us Turk and Leuven's needed a bot needed Leuven's basically needed bodies around him to protect his lack of mobility. We needed more people in the middle. Stop getting overloads. And then Madger needed a man up up alongside him. Put Gucci at right wing back, which I thought I was a little bit surprised about when I seen it. But I thought Gucci was excellent at right wing back. I loved him, mate. He's got the he's got energy. He's got all the yeah. he's got everything you want. He in can right beat a man as well, mm-hmm. can't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. he was trying a bit hard in the first half. I thought he kept trying to beat, and he wasn't getting past the fullback. Mm-hmm. But then he, he got it in the second half. He was able to do it. A bit I, more. I mean, this is one thing: the, the quality of ball in the box was awful yesterday from both sides. I thought. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that yeah. when we scored from the one bit of quality in the box, yeah. but. That was one thing that uh, was disappointing because, see, straight away, the way that they played, ordinarily, for, they normally play with a diamond in the middle. You think, oh, we'll, you know, we'll get in the wide areas. And even though they went three at the back, we still got in those wide areas, got the ball out there, no problem. But the quality in the box was just awful, especially from set pieces as well, I think corners. Sometimes the runs were bad. Like, sometimes the balls were going across and you're just like, gamble, just mm. somebody gamble. I know the ball might not have been perfect, but just gamble try and, and get past the centre back and we, I don't think we were doing that enough in the first half in particular and, and even though the delivery was awful the, the, the one promising thing from the first half as poor as it was was that you could see there was a lot of stuff especially with set pieces that, that, that worked on things but they just weren't sure or yeah. it wasn't coming off and uh, you know we, we you know we gave balls away easily and there was a lot of sloppiness that first half but at least you can see that there's things that they've worked on and that over time Completely get. I mean, a lot of them have, haven't been together a few weeks, like you know. Yeah. So it's going to take time to build that and to, to practice it all the time. We're missing quite a few players who I'd probably say would walk into the team anyway. Key players on our side, but we're, we're going to need strengthen from four here. Four or five, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You I think? mean, Charlton are third favourites for the for, were third favourites of the title before 
for the you, opening weekend. But you can, you can see why we're being down the bare bones. Not yeah. going about good work, but I was really impressed with them. I was, yeah. I was, I was actually saying today that... I've got a keeper. Don't yeah. Mean. But I was saying today, I'm worried for Charlton, not because of on the pitch. It's like off the pitch, with the state that they're in, the amount of injuries that they've got. Like They played all right yesterday, but they still lost. Mm. And, and then they've got Forster Kasky, their best players out for the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I it's do blow. worry a little bit for Charlton. not going to get relegated. They're too good to get relegated. But they're not going to be any, any other way last year. I, I, I presume Boya will get it full time. Oh, you would have thought so. I mean, it was <laughs> ridiculous. They were brilliant in the last season, but you never know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, look, I mean, obviously, the people, why, the, the reason why people didn't take the job here was because they knew what was going to happen to Chris Coleman, yeah. and they did. Like you know, so who to say it wouldn't happen? I wouldn't have thought so. Like, but I didn't think you would say that. Um, the elephant in the room, I suppose. Uh, Oz take. Performance work for me. The elephant on the pitch. Uh, the elephant <laughs> on the pitch as well. uh, for me, just really poor, slow. Did things like for me, there were certain things like I'm not going to claim to be any good at football, but if I was playing centre back, I wouldn't chase a guy in a massive circle around as he yeah. runs. You wouldn't do that. You, you, you're just like, yeah, you, you do that there. I'll stay back here in position. He's rash. And He's yeah, very rash. I just I don't get it. I don't. I mean, obviously, it's his first game. He might get better. He might have been, you know, excited, nervous. But if that's what he is, then I don't get it. Oh, I mean, he's played at a decent level before. He wasn't. He's not. He, I know. He's uh, not going to be overawed by it. I think. Uh, you're right. It's one game, so he shouldn't go over the top. Yeah. Right? But you could see first couple of minutes they played a ball over um, over Matthews in the left hand channel, uh, our left side channel, and uh, Leuven sort of. He got there plenty of time. He was in no danger of losing the ball and he cleared out a player. But yeah, um, uh, Lyle Taylor made up about 10 yards on him and, mm-hmm. and I just thought they're going to take advantage of this and the both of them did look cumbersome. There's yeah. no get, there's no getting away from it. And the, I, I thought Leuven's was great second half playing that role as the middle one because it allowed him uh, to sit deeper and any time they played a ball in behind he just he didn't do anything he just, he just had to be there and usher it out no he looked more comfortable yeah, yeah. And, and I thought he looked great and just the same way that with Chelsea last season and Conte maybe he's, Jack Ross has stumbled on something here yeah because it gives you a bit of it does give you a bit of everything it gives you insurance at the back gives you allows you to play two up front and gives you numbers in the centre of the pitch mm. there, think, was, there was one part yesterday with Ars Turk as well that there was, I couldn't believe what he was doing there was like a long ball up to Taylor and Taylor had his back to goal he must have been five, ten yards away from halfway line. He doesn't have got his back to goal. There's no one anywhere near him. All us Turks got to do is just get close to him, stand him up. He's, what's he going to do with his back to goal like that? I have no options. Just stand him up. And for some reason, he goes in with his like, knee height, goes in foot first, knee height, and, and, and just takes him out. The free kick, un- unnecessary free kick. Just a rash decision. Why do you do that? Now, uh, he's, a, he's an experienced defender. He's, he's captained hearts. He's played in the Turkish Super League. Like, he's, he's, he's played in decent levels but why that's just poor decision making yeah what do you uh, mean of a Morgan well for me the difference between the two uh, Leuven's got a bit of criticism as well I think it was unwarranted because you can tell he's played at a good level mm. he reads the game really well there was a few times balls came over the top um, facing from away from where he's facing he cuts him out puts him out for throw-ins Was take just looked like to me he didn't really know what he was doing and that's worrying um, when you've played at the level he has whether he's, uh, he's he's paid somebody off or I don't know but um, like David says I don't want to be too critical after one game but it just for me you, when you see you know when somebody's a footballer and mm. or you know you sometimes get footballers who maybe aren't the best technically but 
They've got physical attributes. Mm. For me, he hasn't got the physical attributes. And based on yesterday and some of the games in pre-season, he technically he's he's, uh, he's scary. He as looks well. overweight as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Heavy. But I mean, the easiest. That's why you got to give Jack Ross a lot of credit. I think because the easiest thing for him to do would have put, put, put Baldwin yeah. on from and <laughs> then that, then, and then just leave it. Do you know what I mean? And, he, and he's not. Do you know what I mean? He's he switched it right round and yeah. But do you think? Um, how do you think Baldwin back. is feeling? Like watching that, he must be thinking. I'll be in next week, surely. Oh, wait, well, it's hopefully. It's up to, hopefully it's up to him that. now, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. up to him this week. He's got, got a chance, chance I mean, now. Yeah. Jack Ross isn't an idiot. He's not going to stick with Ozturk after his performance. Like on Saturday, I would suggest he'd probably make the change. Well, I don't know. It depends if he sticks with a 3 uh, 5 two. I mean, yeah. Luton are different as well, mate, to Charlton. Charlton, Taylor, and the double barreled lad name, I can't remember, are Pacey. Really Pacey players. Leuven's and Ozturk hate that. Mm. Leuven's and Ozturk don't want to get turned on your shoulder. James Collins is up top, probably going to be playing up top for Luton. He's six foot two, six foot three. He's like a League One, League Two also around. He's like a typical baller, bruiser, bruiser yeah, striker. That'll be more like yeah, yeah game that'll suit it, them. Yeah. Up. That'll suit them too to a T. I, like, I was, I got a bit of stick actually for my opinion on Leuven's because I wasn't particularly favourable of Leuven's in the first half. I thought if you're a player like Leuven's where your legs have gone a bit, you don't have much pace in the first place. So when your legs do go, you're basically just a walking tank. If you are like that, you've got to use your position, position, positional ability to be on top of your game everywhere. You've got to be have that five yards in your head so your legs can make up for it. So in the first half, I just thought because of the way we, our midfielders get overloaded by their diamond, uh, to Lyle Taylor stretching, running behind all the time. Him and Austin were getting pulled all over the place. They were never a cohesive unit, the back four. One was getting pushed up to try and mark the front of their diamond. The other one was getting pushed all the way back to try and follow Taylor's run. So positionally, the pair of them were completely out of it at all times. In the second half, that that changed. Like the the, the formation change sorted all that out. Yeah, I, I see your point, but for me, I think centre half is you've got to build up a partnership, and it can take weeks and months. Yeah, and definitely. for me, Leuven's in that first half, the same as us too. They're going to be feeling each other out. They're going mm. to want to know each other's tendencies. Obviously, the bad training, the bad friendlies, but uh, you, you need yeah, games you need that competitive game, and I think. Um, it's only played Lu- 45 minutes yeah I think Lumen's adapted to it and I was really impressed with him in the second yeah. half I just mm. think like you say that, that five yards in his head I think he had it in the second half yeah like I thought he was excellent in the second and uh, again uh, again, I don't want to criticise him too much but Ozturk I didn't see it so mm. if we see a change I just hope it's one that we stick with because that I think that's a that's a threat to us if we're chopping and changing centre halves every week it means the season yeah. isn't going well so play consistency would be nice mm-hmm. in defence yeah. the first time in years whoever that is but yeah <laughs> uh, sorry the, the Leuvens as Leuvens as well I was impressed by his leadership yeah like, in the first half he's basically playing two positions at times as was getting pulled out that far yeah he was because like, when you mentioned about post. him cutting out Matthews is him cutting out all over on the left and Matthews got a little bit pulled out of position where the hell was Ozturk he was playing left centre back was he well, I mean <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of things to, to think about as well with the goals it's, uh, with the goals sorry um, there's one that's even though we were, they, we, they broke on us and everyone was out of position, Leuven's actually could have should have either controlled or cleared yeah, it when it was passed. Yeah, of course, yeah. So I mean, it's it, it shouldn't have gotten that position. But also, there's a little bit. You know, we, we talk about we, we've not had a lot of luck, or you know, uh, in the past, or we haven't. It wasn't a very Sunderland win. But the foot and force change in the first half, I, I'd I'd have preferred Oviedo to be in. Definitely in, in the starting line. Didn't play him. Oh no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you can see that. And, and if he wasn't fit or he didn't think he had enough time, that's that's fair enough. Like you know, but I just think one because of that, it gives you more balance. And then obviously, it I think that helped more 
to go with three five two. Yeah, definitely. If if you've got love and um, I always call him on the radio, I always call him uh, Davis Love. If you've got Don <laughs> Love and Matthews, you, you you're less likely, I think, to go to five there. When you think I've got Oviedo, he'll play left brilliantly. But also, I, I was quite disappointed that he didn't take any of the uh, set pieces yesterday. Yeah, I thought that as well. I thought yeah. when he because came the, on. because because the one that's been so poor, and two, I'm thinking young goalkeeper. Especially the ones we had on the right hand side where Gucci was getting the free kicks all the time. Stick a couple of in swingers in there across them, you know, see how he likes that, like, you know. Because there was one, a couple of unconvincing punches, one in first off, one second off. I thought, you know, if he, you know, put them with a bit more pressure. So I was surprised they didn't go with that, but maybe just in Maguire's contract, he's got to take all the free kicks. <laughs> I, 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 I did play with Chris Maguire when, it, when I was at Aberdeen. He had, to, I, I think it was the two years he was in the, uh, the U team setup and, um, you know, He's, he's had a decent career considering he had 140 games for Aberdeen yeah. do you know what I mean he played in Europe and he played some good clubs down there so he, you know he's got it he's got that quality but like you said there, we just didn't see it yesterday I don't think he's, there's, a, there's a lot more to him than than, uh, than yesterday and you were saying about the you know he plays wide sometimes when he was drifting inside to receive the ball look great like yeah, you know that's, I thought that was it's obviously something that worked yeah something something that worked on like you know I think that that full three behind the strikers. Well, I think the way they're going to play going forward with Gooch, Honeyman, and uh, Maguire, I think is exciting and probably the best quality you're going to find in this mm-hmm. league. Really, yeah. I mean, you can put Gooch on either side, and he, like I said, he can beat players. He's quick as well, like you know. And I mean, not just cut, but even before he scored the goal yesterday, I was impressed with him. Really yeah, yeah. impressed with him. Man. And you can have them three as well. Can just swap mm-hmm. all positions, yeah. all game, and and that'll. Is if they get a good connection going, they can play together all the time. That'll work. Yeah, you know, Gooch, like, we've always known Gooch is like Gooch is a tidy player. He's he's a bit bullish. He's tenacious. But I didn't kind of, this in the Grimsby game and then St Mirren. He didn't realise like how indecisive he was in finishing. Mm. Like those both those headers are brilliant headers. Like oh. unbelievable finishes for like a little guy. Maybe I'm just stereotyping here, but I just didn't expect that he would be that decisive with his finishing. Oh, but it's, it's, it's a goal like that. It's more about. He's will to to desire, get there, yeah, yeah, of course. And, and people yeah. sort of like say, you know, say that say, uh, you know, you talk about desire and and effort, or you know, will to win and all that. Like, but it's it's you don't you don't get there without that. You know, he could have easily left it to the fullback, or or only had a half heart attempt at thinking I'm not going to get there. But he's thinking if if the fullback actually makes hell of an effort for that, he's going to get hurt. But yeah. he wasn't bothered. Not even that. The best thing he could have just because that dummy that there was a terrible corner from Maguire. And then a terrible W from Gooch by complete accident that was perfect for Oviedo. Like any other, uh, any other wing, I could have just like went, oh, dead. And like turned around, head to the ground, like turn away. He was straight head back up, seen Oviedo run to the back post. Hmm. I, I love that willingness. That was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Robert Ford asks, uh, this is for you, David, being a goalie and seeing the craps on the field in the recent past, how do you think McLaughlin did? I think he did really well. Looks really solid. I've seen a lot of him when he was at Bradford. He was in, I think he was in that with um, Matt Duke then. And, uh, for my whole keeper, wasn't he? Matt yeah. Uh, and it, it, yeah, I think he did, did really well for them. And then last year, I I didn't see, I was I was hearing a lot of things about him last year. It wasn't until obviously Simon Sullivan that went back and, and took a look. Looked great, like, you know, it looks like he's really matured. And Scotland's done that for a few keepers. Joe Lewis has gone up to Aberdeen yeah. and looks a totally different goalkeeper now. Uh, he's doing really well for them. Surprised that if he doesn't come back down to England at some point. But um, yeah, he looked really solid. And there will have been a bit of pressure on him. He'll have known what happened last season. He'll have known that if uh, if he if something happens or there's a, a 
there's a bit of insecurity at the back. You know, you'll get a little bit of stick, or that you know that you'll either grumbling from behind the goal. But it was great. I think he made a decent save up to his left. Come took a, a, a decent cross early on. Pretty easy one, but it's it's one that gives you a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, and there was a bit of insecurity in the in the in the back line, like you know, there was a couple of, I think early on there was a, I think Leuven's dropped a back pass short and made yeah. a come and clear it, like you know, and he got nearly, nearly got closed down. But mm. I think it was a solid performance from him, and I th- it, it's, it takes like what was needed after last season. Yeah, it's just nice to have a safe pair of hands. <sighs> yeah, but you can just see it. And it there was no there's no sort of rashness in his in his uh, decision making. His positions were were mm. good. Uh, distribution looks decent. I think yeah, yeah. I think it looks it looks a good sign. Is a that was the first part of the question. The seeing the craps under the field in net. Uh, why do you think we were so bad in that last year? Because I, I don't believe for one minute that Steele, Reuter, and um, Cam um, are horrendous <sighs> goalkeepers who no. can't save anything. But why why does that happen? Is it all mental? It is. I mean, there'd be a lot of pressure. I mean, even yesterday, regardless of. What you, you, the excuses you can give for for some of the players the new they haven't played together and you know the occasion and all that there's still a sort of like uh, an attachment to the recent past you know what I mean they're still going to be nervous nervous now from what they've heard about or you know, what they've read in the papers or whatever and about the situation but um, like last season I just you, you can see with uh, with just especially with Jason Steele he looked affected by everything mm-hmm. his positioning was awful his technique was awful. His mm. decision making was awful, and yet, you know, I spoke a lot of people about uh, Blackburn when he was at Blackburn. I spoke Chris Brown who played with him at Blackburn, and they were saying that, yeah, he made mistakes, but Paul Lambert went over the top with praise with him and made sure that, um, you know, after the game and in the, in the train during the week, he would sort of make sure that. He was in the right frame of mind for the next game. Yeah. There was no pressure on him again, and uh, he gave him a lot of confidence and <coughs> rebuilt his confidence again. And yeah, it's great for a manager to do that if he's got to do that. But I mean, you, you shouldn't think he would do that with a keeper who's 27, 28 years old yeah. or whatever. Um, Robin Reuter, I think when I first saw him at Scunthorpe, I thought great. I thought he looked he looked confident. Positions were good. Technically, looked good. And because I mean, again, Scunthorpe were where they were, Scunthorpe were the better side all game, so he had a bit of do as well. So it wasn't like you're just seeing him off the back of not doing anything in a, pre, in a, in a soft friendly. But again, situation got him, made mistakes, made horrendous errors. And I know what it's like. It took me two years to get back from... Uh, I, I didn't particularly make big errors at, uh, when I first went to Aberdeen, but it was on the end of some heavy defeats. Yeah. And and I was uh, and I got injured and take to the side. And I didn't play for 15 months. And it probably took me that long to get myself right mentally again. Whereas... Jason Steele hasn't had that opportunity, hasn't had that luxury. I had a four-year contract to be able to do that. So I could stick around and be stubborn and think, right, I'm going to fucking get back. Can you swear on it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've done it. You've done it now, so... I was thinking, you know, I'm going to get back, I'm going to, whatever it takes, I'm going to get back and get back on the side. And um, so, so, but a lot of people don't have that luxury. The panic on your face when you saw there. That was so funny. That's not live, is it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man, I've got one. (laughs) Sacked. Yeah, so it's... it's, And then when uh, Lee Camp came in, Camp, he hadn't played for 18 months. He looked like somebody hadn't played for 18 months. We... we, I can't remember who it was. Somebody told us that he, he had an injury so he couldn't dive. Properly to one side. Ah, that's right. That's Robin Reuter. Was that right? He's, uh, he was just cut, he's, I think he's fractured collarbone, yeah. just get collarbone, whatever, whatever it was. Oh, uh, I've been telling yeah, you yeah, but, <laughs> no, but, yeah, but, and, but that's it. So then you watched him in the games and he had a great difficulty doing that. 
And uh, I know Adrian Tucker really well. And, um, you know, it was, I mean, the, he's one back Swansea, yeah. yeah. Good, good coach, like, you know, and very knowledgeable. But then you think, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, uh, oh, it does make a difference that nobody's there anyway. Um, he didn't know that Lee Camp was coming in. He got a phone call saying that from somebody else down at Cardiff saying that Lee, or he signed Lee Camp. Do you know what I mean? So it's, well, you know, as a go, but as a goalkeeping coach, and you're thinking, well, you I'm, go, yeah, I'm going to get the blame for this. People are going to look at me for this. Yet you're taking responsibility of recruitment out of my hands, or you're not even consulting me. Do you know what I mean? So I think um, for anybody who's maybe wants to be critical of uh, of Adrian Tucker, probably just to take that. And I don't know what the situation was with with Jason Steele or and Robin Reuter was a case of he was here. We desperate, desperately needed a backup goalkeeper yeah. of some experience. Mm. So then, and, and he did. Show, I mean, if he showed in training what he showed at Scunthorpe, then I was all for signing him, like you know. But um, I don't know. I think uh, you know Max Strike's got got to be wondering what he had to do to play last year, yeah. like you know, because I think you never know. You, you just never know. Keepers, a lot of keepers make um, make good careers off the bat of being thrown in the deep end, and he was certainly good enough. It, to to be thrown in there, and I think that they should have took a chance on him. Do you think with I would have as well with keepers sometimes like some do really well in that game atmosphere, and some are the opposite. Some can save everything in training, but can't on the pitch, and then others sort of feed off the adrenaline and can. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, there's a, I don't know whether you call it phenomenon, but like there, there is a you know you see a lot in in training. See players who are training players and players who are brilliant players who uh, are good players who are brilliant in training. And bad players, or bad players, worst players, who are brilliant in games. Yeah. You know, and it's it's how they adjust to it. And sometimes we all go through the you know bad. Well, we all not all of us like some some of us more than others go through runs of bad form. But then it's about turning it around and sort of being mentally strong to get back in it. And just thought that uh, it was a strange situation with Simon Grayson that he kind of gave Wright uh, his chance. Was it at Barnsley? Give me a chance to go beat three 0 Yeah, yeah, I think that was his first start. That was a terrible game. I went to that one. Yeah, and then took him <laughs> and then took him straight out again. Like you know, when yeah. when he hasn't had a chance to to you know to to have a good go at keeping his place, and Jason Steele hasn't had a chance to sort of have enough time away from the team to, to step away from it and rebuild his confidence again. It was so his it was... comments as well. Like I remember after the Ipswich game, we lost five two. Steele was in goal and he made a couple of really bad mistakes. And Grayson afterwards said, "Oh, Steele's my number one. He's going to stay number one." He's, he was unfortunate today, but he's a solid keeper and he's going to come back. Come Saturday Saturday afternoon, right us in. Mm. So why would you why would you go you all that length in the press conference to big up Steele, who's obviously like obviously he's one of those players who just needs an arm around his shoulder. Yeah. I think at that point though, Grayson had just the players had lost confidence in him. Yeah. Um, I so. And I think he knew. I think he knew the way it was going. Mm. Um, but for me, going back to Jason Steele. Like what you were saying earlier on, he seemed to me the type of player when he was on the pitch, when, you, when you're looking at him, he wasn't concentrating on what he was doing. He was more thinking, I'm, if I'm going to make a mistake, or he just seemed really, really mm. nervous. And like what you were saying, you're not thinking about your positioning. Um, you're not really thinking about anything because he, he just seemed totally ob- absorbed by the fact I might make a mistake and the outcome of it. Uh, but that Celtic game, I mean, yeah. I don't think... <laughs> There's not many who, I don't know, but I can't imagine there's many who will recover from something like that. I don't know. I, I, I lost six now in my first game against Celtic. Ended up captain another day. But it, it was, um, 
like I said, it took us two years to recover. Like, <laughs> but but it, it was, it, it's like, it, it's you can see, especially in a goalkeeper, especially when it happened to Jason Steele, you can see the performance anxiety. It comes in like not trusting yourself. So you end up coming, say, if uh, there was, I can't remember what game it was, but somebody came in that angle and he come right past his near post, right out of him. So you've got, if somebody hits a ball hard at you, it's look whether you save it because you just stood there. Whereas if you stand, if you're standing further back, if you're deep in your goal, you've got a chance to react to it, and you're trusting yourself to to be able to react to it, and trusting your technique and whatever. When he he just didn't do that, you, you know, you see him jumping up in the air when shots are coming in. The rash decision at uh, QPR was it to yeah. come out? Oh yeah, 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 and it, it it affects every part of your game, like the position uh, decision making and everything. And it was just. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, he actually had a good game against Derby the first game. Yeah, he did all right. Yeah, he did. He did okay. I mean, they all did all right. It was a good performance. Yeah, you know, the they, they should they should have won that game. His distribution looked looked like he kicked a good ball as well. Like you know, so I thought, ah, it's just a one-off. Let him being thrown at the deep end against a really good Celtic side. Celtic a good side, like you know, uh, you know, you give him that. But it's yeah, it was. Do, do you think a lot? Some of it could have been the fact that what defence was poor as well because if you're a goal it, it works both ways doesn't it if mm. you're a goalie and you don't trust your defence then you're going to be worse and then vice versa the defence is like oh god he's not going to save now do you do you think that all just played together and that just made it 10 times worse oh of course I mean sometimes you, you, your positions and your decision making comes off what the people in front of you do so it's um, yes it's down to that as well but I suppose from it's that would, it's not me deflecting just saying that because if it was my own game I'd look at that first what I was doing wrong mm-hmm. regardless of what was happening in front of me so are you are you thinking about that in a game though are you worrying if there's an individual or there's several individuals in front of you that you're not that confident in are you thinking about that during the game or because again going back to Steele I felt like there was things like that on his mind and yeah well, it, the more experience you get the more you get to to think about if somebody is if you think if you're nervous about somebody or you think somebody's going to make a mistake but then you try and do something to yeah exactly so you either if if you think somebody's getting getting beaten in the air or going to get beaten in the air get beaten behind your your position is a little bit further more advanced to try and cover that knowing that people are going to play the ball in behind them so it's uh, yeah but I, I still think that <sighs> It was a shit show all all the way around defensively and yeah. from a goalkeeper's point of view because then what you're looking for uh, as a goalkeeper and the manager whoever the manager is they'll be looking for for protection from him just think right make sure no crosses come in make sure you you know if you've got to deepen yourself so the balls don't go behind just you know defend the box but that's said neither you know the goalkeeper wasn't playing well the defense wasn't playing well there's, there's nothing the manager could do I but, felt a bit sorry for Steele like I remember. Like if you look at yesterday's atmosphere, the way like everyone was like on the same one track, like they were, they were so positive for the first time in a long time. There was times when Steele was walking out like straight towards the South Stand, and he wouldn't look up at all. He wouldn't mm. look at the fans. His just head was constantly down like that. Like give it the clap. It would be like ironic cheers every time he'd walk over. Like he, people would boo him. Like, that doesn't help. No. That wouldn't help his confidence anyway. See, the difference with me was I'd do that even more so. So it, it, there's times at Aberdeen, even sort of in, in towards the enemy me time Aberdeen, we, when we I think uh, about about maybe fifth season, we, we weren't having a great time. And I came out for a cross against Motherwell, and I got and everyone went woo. Well, I put oh, the stand right, like that. Yes. yeah. So like I, I'm, I'm carrying the ball, I'm, I just started waving at them like you know I got bollocked by Jim Layton for doing it, but it was like 
I don't know. The, the, the more I got criticism, the more I thought, well, you know, you have to you have to face up with it. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You kind of shy away from it. It's a bit like Barton as well. Like, if you boo Barton, he's going to love it. Yeah. Boo Kevin Nolan, people like that, they're going to love it. I remember, <laughs> was it Dean Winter? I suppose it's different when it's your own fans, though, ah, to be true. honest with you. Yeah, when it's your own yeah. fans. That, it is more cutting. Do you know what I mean? Because well, yeah, they might be on your side, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you want them. That's what you you think to yourself. If you're having a bad time as well. You want them to help you through it. Yeah. And that's why I've never understood about fans. A lot of the time, if somebody's playing really badly, or you can you can visibly see somebody's like doesn't matter whether they're a goalkeeper or anything. Fans make it worse for them. Yeah, I fucking hate booing booing fair players. Do you know it, yeah. it, it, it's and a lot of the time you can see it, either between a, a lack of effort or just somebody who's nothing's going right for them. Or it's simply not, or they're playing at a level that's just too high for them, because you can get that as well. And I, I just don't understand having to go to players in that in that way, like you know. Yeah, what well, was nice yesterday when Mumba Mumba gave the ball? It was like a five yard pass. I think Lyle Taylor ran onto it, and it was the it was second, a, in the second half. In the second yeah, half, yeah. Yeah. nobody, no, like around me, there was no like groans. I was like, oh fucking hell, old boozer out. It was kind of it was like a little raw, like getting behind him. Mm. Why? That, that was awesome. I love that. I, 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 I don't know whether you have ever uh, experienced before, but in the past, there's a lot of clubs I've played at where it's the homegrown players that get the most stick. They do. Yeah. Honeyman. Honeyman. Yeah. Well, we all sit here. Last year, Honeyman scored what, eight goals, second top scorer, and we're all sitting here going, but not us, because we all praise him and get criticised for it. But people on Twitter are just like, oh, he's useless. He's just, he just tries. That's all he is. He, he's a try hard. But these are the same fans who, uh, sorry, you couldn't trust criticised, but we all <laughs> sort of fans want players who try hard. We yeah. all want players to oh, wear no. the shirt before anything else. Then you've got the captain who does that and you just berate him on Twitter all day. Mm. Now, yeah, I, I, didn't was, know, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know he'd been getting stick like that. Yeah, yeah Honeyman, Honeyman does. He's probably the one player from last year who got it unnecessarily. I think you can criticise... It's a vocal Cat minority, Moore, but it's quite a large minority. Yeah, yeah but the vocal minority is always... It, it's good. like Marmite, though. It's like, love, love him or love him. Yeah. I, I, quite like, I, mean, is, I always found that foreign players got a such such more longer leash when it, when it come to uh, a, a chance to, to prove themselves. We used to have a couple of Moroccan lads that went to Aberdeen, one called Hisham Belabed, eh, not Hisham, eh, Ra- Rashid Belabed, and there was Hisham Zero Ali. Now, Hisham's, he died in a car crash in uh, back in Morocco uh, a few years ago, but he was one of the best players I've ever played with technically unbelievable I mean he, he was but it was a real individual he was you know at the time when we had a side when if you, you, you couldn't play without a player uh, without, without one, one man less when you couldn't defend you know without him and, and he, he just either couldn't or wouldn't defend but Rashid he had great ability as well but all he used to do what he was known for was he used to uh, they used to sing the Aberdeen fans used to sing a song about him because he used to get a buster training and then uh, and he used to do overhead kicks all over the pitch. So if the ball was bouncing, it, rather than let it drop and just volley it away, he would jump up there and do a whole overhead kick. And the fans loved him. Do you know what I mean? But most of the time, he'd let he, I mean, he used to let runners go. He used to you know he'd give balls away like you know all the time. And he never used to got stick for it. But because he used to do overhead kicks, they used yeah. to love him. Basically, like the Nairon of Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Times that ball bounce. Mm. No. Uh, final one really on the game yesterday Joe Hood asks is winning against a top team in the league giving us an idea of good things to come or did we get lucky I personally thought we needed more physicality well I agree with you on that one Joe we need more physicality but what do you make of the does it give her an idea that we're going to be up there I think it's too early to say really I mean Charlton probably are going to be there or thereabouts um, but until you're what two months into a season you don't really know which teams are going to be in what part of the league I agree with the physicality. Um, when we 
play maybe better or fitter teams, I should say. Um, I think we could do with a bit more strength, a bit of height, definitely in midfield. Um, like Mumba, like we said earlier on Mumba, he was tidy, kept to hold of the ball well, but um, was it Prattley? Yeah. 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 Pr- Prattley just bullied him a few times mm. in the first half. And I think we need a little bit more physicality just to counteract that. Anyone else? Someone uh, on that one? No. <laughs> you agree? Exactly the same. There's no point in saying the same copy I said. I actually thought, I thought Charlton were, I think they'll be top six. If I didn't get stuff off of the pitch, I think they'll be top yeah, six. Get, get players back gift. fit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Big yeah. um, gift of Chalet in charge. So like, he doesn't even let them turn the lights on. We're going to move in there. There's loads of questions here for David. So James and Morgan, you just have to shut up and be quiet. Uh, first thing I want to throw at you though um, Stuart Donald was on the podcast a few weeks ago now and he was talking about agents he had a a, a good old 10 minute rant about agents and how he, he didn't really like dealing with them what what was your dealings with agents do you have an agent yourself uh, yeah I ha- well I had one agent for about 7 years while I was at Aberdeen and didn't really I didn't really use him so when uh, yeah, I must have used him when I went there all he used to really do was just look through the contracts and so he's essentially like a lawyer yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's what he was first, was a lawyer. So he never ever, you know, he's never saying, oh, you know, Rangers are looking at you or whatever. Ah, but I, I, I mean, the way football is as well, it's it's all done through, you know, you, you talk about people um, being tapped up and all that, you know, people speak, do you know what I mean? There's contact from from everyone. So if someone wants to sign you, they'll, it, it, yeah, exactly. The, Either somebody they know will phone you, an agent that's representing them will will contact you, a player they know contact you. So it's and for me, I always thought to myself, well, one, if I was playing well enough, clubs will uh, you know they'll, they'll get the club will get offers for us and whatever, and then we'll deal with it then. And all I need is somebody to uh, to look like I said, look, but I did look through the contracts when I went to uh, uh, when I. Came back to to England from from Denmark when I went to Barnsley. I still had my agent at the time, and but everywhere I'd gone, it's been through people who I knew, uh, or I'd used David Hodgson, who was uh, the old my old Darlington manager. He used to be an agent, and I used, uh, all through through my career since I left uh, Darlington, I just used him for an advice, and he would just tell us what to do. And um, and if like so, so when I went to Aberdeen, didn't have an agent when Aberdeen. So he says, uh, he arranged for somebody to meet us at the airport to do the end. The deal was, all, uh, I didn't I didn't have to pay the agent. The, uh, Aberdeen paid the agent. Yeah. So the agent just had to be there for me to sign. I had a, I had a pint with him and then never saw him again. So, so do you think that's how agents should work? Because at the minute, I think, certainly the impression I get as a fan without knowing the ins and outs of football is that agents are like overbearing, almost the sort of controlling player oh, you you would not believe some of the some of the agents especially uh, to tell you what the worst ones are the worst ones are at the lower low levels so like, be the ones Stuart's dealing with so you, you well, not even below league one league two lads lads who've got uh, agents at, uh, in the conference and conference north and south they're taking money like so you'll there'll be lads on I don't know 400 quid a week four or 500 quid a week and they'll take, and there'll be agents that take fifty quid a week out their wages, um, before the tax. So it's, it's obviously more. So, I mean, I, I can't, I, I could not get my head around this that these agents would take. I mean, that's like taking ten percent every week, ten, more than that after tax, uh, before tax. Sorry. So I'm just thinking these these lads are, you know, not barely surviving, but they're not they're not they're not living a football lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
They're just living a normal life, and uh, and a lot of them living above their means because they think they've got to live up to a certain mm-hmm. a certain lifestyle, and that these lads are taking sort of fifty uh, two hundred quid a month out, no the, out, out the wages just for getting to a not uh, to a, a conference club, and then a lot of agents w- will take conference players and or young players and not take anything off them. So they'll get they'll do deals for them and get and get boots for them whatever not taking them off them on the proviso that you know if they get them a big move then they'll get something yeah you know it's sort of like you know you're doing a bit of groundwork for the for the future but a lot of them especially I mean and some of them they haven't got a clue some of them are just young lads who you know see a bit of money and they want to get in the agent game so you get agents sitting off been I've been managed offers and there's, there's agents come in here. An agent of a player will say, best player in the park. Best player in the park today, wasn't he? And look around the room and think, no, he was all right, like, I." <laughs> and, and, like, these lads have they've never been in football before. They've never played. They've known a few players, and that's how they're getting into football, and they start representing them. And you're thinking, I don't know, mate. I've got, two, I've got a pair of eyes, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen the game. I don't need you to tell me what... What I've seen, like you know, but it's like sliming that way, trying to be persuasive and think, yeah, he played brilliant today. Like, oh, he's doing this, doing that. I think I'll decide that, like you know. Why? Why do you think then that there isn't sort of guidance even from clubs to be like, no, don't. Why you don't need one? You don't. You don't need an agent right now. That agent's not good for you because you know he's trying to get your moves here and there. Just settle. Why, why are players getting players? That? Uh, people do that. Do that at clubs, but it's normally because they've got an eye on being an agent themselves and. Take the clubs, the players away from the club. It's just all a, a cash cow. Oh, there, there is. I, but I mean, it's from a manager's point of view, it is um, beneficial to have good relationships with good agents because you want access to a bigger pool of players. That's why you know all the big agents, you know, like uh, Mendes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get him with Mendes. You, you have got access to his players. Um, Mini Raiola but that's weird that Dummy. his play- they're not his players though really like that that's like the stu- stupid thing of it like, it should be the Benfica's player mm. you know why Why we're having to go through clubs the way I see it is it should just be almost like when you play football manager he, you do a scout you go oh he, he's got four stars on football mm. manager I'll ring the club what well, is it I mean more the majority of players do not need agents so like I said the players who need the agents the most are the ones who nobody wants but an agent doesn't want those players because they won't earn them any money. Because you need that agent. If, you haven't, if you're free uh, it's, uh, at the end of the season and nobody's coming for you, maybe you've been injured or whatever, that's when you need an agent to work his bollocks off to try and get you a club. Yeah. That's when you need, you know, that's when he'll earn his money for you. Agents, most of the time at the top level, they don't have to work. No, because they, they've, they, they'd sit there and people approach them for their players. So it's, I don't know. It, I think they are a necessity, though. They are a necessity because all football clubs, as much as I know you've seen with them, um, it was the uh, non-league chairman coming out. It was a... Uh, oh, I saw... Boreham yeah, Boreham I mean, all right, I quite like that. And, and sort of... But all... And I like the way Stuart Donalds and Charlie have been sort of quite honest and open about things. You can't always be like that. There'll be a point when... You know, they can't tell people everything, like you know. Mm-hmm. But going from what we've we've dealt with uh, or not dealt with in the past with Ellis Short, it's it's a breath of fresh air. It's great, but I think that not all football clubs are honest. 
not all football clubs uh, treat people uh, treat players well. Yeah. So it's there's two sides to every story, and there's lots of you know lots of clubs are, are like I said they're not honest with players with the way they, they deal with them, and um, so that they need people to to work work for them, and and to to defend them, and and, and work in their uh, work in their what's the word I'm looking for interests. You know what I mean, so it's I don't know. I've um I've been, I've had plenty of offers to 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 work for agents in the past. And I just thought, well, I'd, I'd, I'd start out like a, like everyone else. Everyone, all agents start out like Jerry Maguire. Do you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to work morning, noon, and night for you. I'm going to do everything for you. Yeah. You're like, you know, I'm going to be your best mate. I'm going to do this, do this, do that. As soon as you're not playing well, or you, he gets another client who's doing really well, you know, you're you're, you're an afterthought. Yeah, I've got mates who do it. Do you know what I mean? But it's I don't know I, it's something that's I'd, I'd find hard to do do myself. But I don't know. It should be a game that we all get into really because you'll make a lot of money. Um, this summer, Jordan Pickford, you were quite vocal about uh, some of the criticisms he got. Uh-huh. Um, what did you make of the criticisms? Do you understand where they came from? Um, Just idiots who don't know anything. Not really. I think I, I, yeah. I think you know, especially in the game where he got criticised for the goal. Thought Derek, Eric Dyer was awful, and nothing was said about that. You know and. Uh, I keep going on about this, but there isn't that outfield players don't have the same appreciation, and, and some people do, some people don't. But in that in that respect, I think it was there was no need for any criticism at all. They could have just said, "Yeah, I thought you know, you might have been able to get it." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it would have been world class save if you got it. Exactly. This is it. Exactly. And it's no point saying, "Oh, Courtois could have saved that." I mean, yeah, but he's not Courtois. You know, and he does things better in other areas of the game than Courtois does. So you you wouldn't. So if you if Courtois puts a ball at a player or gives a ball away, they wouldn't say John Pickford would wouldn't have done that. Yeah, which he wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? So why why say the other uh, to John Pickford? Doesn't make sense to me. Do you think they got the selection right, Pickford over Butland? Do you think Pickford? Obviously Definitely, you are Sunderland, but Pickford is the England number one. He should be the best keeper. Definitely, and and I, I talked to a lot of goalkeeping coaches, and especially goalkeeping coaches at the very top level. And a lot of them will probably say Jordan Pickford isn't in the in the elite bracket at the moment. You know, he's not he's not in there with Neuer, De Gea. Mm. But I mean, given time, he might be. But I think that he's certainly got the potential to do that. And when people uh, compare goalkeepers, he's uh, he's quite um, unorthodox to me. He, he technically. Sometimes he can look a bit rough around the edges, but he's effective. You talk to anybody who's worked in the FA and the goalkeeping coach at FA, they'll love him because like he he does the job, and instead of being technically correct, he does what's required at the time, like you know. And and I absolutely love the kid, absolutely love him. I've met him a couple of times and uh, getting really well with him, and he's just. It's so honest, like you know, he's like a breath of fresh air. There's no bullshit about him at all. He just seems sound, doesn't he? he just seems like he's just a nice guy. Unbelievable, like you know. And I, I think that um, I don't know. People like him should be embraced. For so long we've put um, the the current England uh, group of England players seem good lads. They seem a lot yeah. grounded, considering they want a lot, hell of a lot more money than what their counterparts were 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. They'll, be, they'll have been earning more that at the same age as what Gerard and people yeah, like that were. Do you know what I mean? But the same way you're in the money that you got at the end of the career. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. And I think that um, 
Right, we should be embracing the lads like us, like you know, instead of sniping at them and and, and wanting to bring them down. Do you know what I mean? Give actually, yeah, give, we'll we'll give him a bit more of a, a bit more of a longer leash. You know what I mean? If he's made a mistake, yeah, we won't be too harsh on this time. Do you know what I mean? I think it should be like that. We said what Pickford has said about the Van Eyes goal in an interview mm. since the World Cup. And he was like, uh, "So what do you think of Van Eyes goal?" And he's like, "Oh, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant goal. I wish he'd done that at Sunderland." Aye, it was in the mail yesterday. Yeah, it was in, it was in the mail yesterday. Brilliant one. There. Apparently, Anazai was like with Everton actually, so you might want to uh, got the one back. They're going uh, to have him. Which do you think is the most underrated keeper at the minute? Elite levels or bottom levels? Which keeper do you think doesn't get the attention they deserve? Um, probably last year, Fabianski. He was starting to get a bit more credit, but he'd, he'd come off the bat about a good three or four seasons. Well, certainly since he went to. Um, Swansea. So Swansea and um, he's got to move. He's at West Ham now, isn't he? Yeah, he's went to West Ham for a decent price. No, he's thirty-two now. He's thirty-two, thirty-three. But yeah, he, he's been uh, massively underrated last uh, last few seasons. He, he'll do a good job for them. But again, Adrian, I really like Adrian. Yeah, he just seems. I don't know why. He just doesn't seem like a fashionable goalkeeper. It's like West Ham. Like, yeah, you're good, but we think we can do better. I think a lot of West Ham fans are fifty-fifty with him. Like, but every time I've watched him, he's, he's still great. Like, you know. What about opposite most overrated? Well, I don't know about that. I think you know. I know I've criticised Joe Hart a lot, and he's taken a lot of stick as well. But he's just somebody who's gone through a difficult period in his career. Do you know what I mean? He's not. I think that's all he's mental. Not a bad call. Um, you don't go from Man City Premier League winning goalkeeper that, to that, not being able to save a shot at West Ham. Do you know what's funny? He was talking about this the other day with somebody, and that last season when uh, when he was at Manchester City, he, he did great. He great in the cha- he got the semi finals of the Champions League. Yeah. And I think it was Real Madrid. did they play Real Madrid that year? Yeah. Oh. Was it Real Madrid? Yeah. He played brilliant against them, like, you know? And then he went into that summer, should have been he, he, his decline started a little bit before that, but he still had a great season. And obviously it all went off the back of that two thousand sixteen Euros. But um has he signed for uh, Burnley today? Uh not that I'm aware. I've seen he was in talks. Yeah, he's supposed to be having a, a medical and that. Yeah, I think that might be a great move from simply because the way that Bur- the limelight in here as well. Well, the way Burnley play, he's got to concentrate on a lot less in his game. He's not got to worry about uh, defending the sp- a massive, uh, mm-hmm. big massive space in front of him that he's got to defend as well. He's got to concentrate on shot stopping and come for a few crosses and kicking the ball as long as he can. It simplifies his game, and I think I think that's what's uh, what you might need. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're gonna all come back in for this because we're back to Sunderland stuff. So my brother Niall, uh, a keen listener, always tells us when I get facts wrong on the podcast. He says, with the league having so many games, what is the key to success? Is it having a big squad and being able to rotate, or trying to keep the same team together to gather momentum? Who wants to take this one? Well, it's both. Both. <laughs> it's with every league. It's uh, look at Blackburn, Wigan, and Rotherham all last year. I think Blackburn and Wigan had the most settled. Def- Two most settled defences in the whole of League One last season, but they still had big squads. It's just, of course, both. both. Anyone else want to add to that? No, just following on from that, if you look back to the last time we were successful in the division with this many games, was Keane in the Championship. And I think he rotated the team really well. I mean, we had a massive squad, we signed about 40,000 players on oh, deadline day. But um, he rotated it well, but players that were really important seemed to play every week. Um, so it's managing them as well, like Carlos Edwards. Um, mm. Trying to think of others. David Connolly. Yeah. Um, so Stay and John. I remember all that. Yeah. I think it's just about managing managing those players. When you're winning games, take them off after an hour if the game's won and uh, just keeping it fresh, yeah. 
Well, that's why Ross left out McGeek. McGeek only trained, I think he only trained once midweek. And Ross said like he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't completely just as a doubt, but why risk him for one week he could be out for six? Mm. Yeah. So we've seen that before. I mean we rushed Watmore back last year and that yeah. bit in the arse. Yeah. Uh Graham Field asks if you could sign one realistic option before the window shut, who would it be? Who out of all the ones we're getting linked with at the minute? You know my thought of this is Billy Sharp. I don't know what you think. Yeah, he's he'll score goals. I mean what you need isn't it yeah exactly. I mean think yesterday think about that chance that Madge missed in the first half that falls to Billy Sharp Sinclair as well mm. Oof. I, yeah. I, I think if you, edge. Yeah. if you can work it's like they did yesterday and get two up front then Billy Sharp would be great sign like yeah. uh, who else are we linked with at the minute I, I don't even know the names seem to have dried up a bit at the minute because Sharp's the big one Link with Sharp and then we want a few more in we want, we want to get a striker in we want to get a winger in and then possibly centre midfielder. Basically, depending on our goings. I think we need a. I don't think anything will probably be done until Catamol, Papi, and Endongo. Right. I think they need to get them out before they can think. Well, about. we've got a month for them as well. Yeah, because yeah. you get the thirty first one. Yeah, I even for I saw loans. that Catamol. Yeah, yeah for, could go on loan to Hull after the deadline. So they do oh. have actually. End of, is that, that, that end of the month? Yeah, right. yeah. So I think the wing is important though, because like David said earlier on, the quality of the final ball yesterday, especially in the first half, was poor. So if we've got White up top, he's going to thrive off decent mm. balls in the box. So if we're going to play that style, play it with strength, then we need someone who can do that. Maybe like it's very traditional left footed left winger. Mm-hmm. Like the, we don't really have anyone on the left who's going to give that other option for no. White. Like they're both going to cut in, they're both going to look tidy, but no one's going to. Get down the line, get behind the man. That's an old-fashioned way of thinking, but it's an old-fashioned league. Another uh, another thing for me, maybe not a new signing, but if Oviedo doesn't leave, I think he'll be fantastic. Yeah, when probably. he came on yesterday, especially that cross at the end, that's fantastic cross. Mm. Couldn't hit that ball better. Is he um, with the 42 grand a week, do you think? Then? Should they be paying him that to keep him at the club? Is he that good? Is that what on? Yeah. yeah. Not bad, I think he's the highest earner. They could afford to pay one of them. And obviously, one of those six uh, he's the best one. How long has he got in his contract? Has he got at least oh, two years? He's got more than a year. Well, he signed four and a half years when he came, so he got two years left. Well, I think the four to keep him, he's quality, isn't he? I mean, you, you look at left back, and it's probably not the position you want your highest earner to be. But um, mm. if if they can afford to keep him, keep him. If he has a good season, you're going to get more money from next year. So I think how much better we looked though when he came on. Mm-hmm. I know exactly see that. Well, he's a Premier League player, isn't he? Really, if you get him. Playing properly. That's him. Set pieces as well, man. Get him used for that. Like, yeah. that's why. That's how he made his name. That's how he made his name in Denmark. Ryan Palliser asks, "Do you think that Sunderland have always had an interest and love for their goalkeeper?" Now, this question I'd sort of thought about, and I was like, "Well, actually, we do always like our goalies." You know, think about like Mark Poom, Thomas Sorensen, Macho when he was here. Then we've always had goalkeepers. Last it, year was an anomaly, wasn't it? Uh, even before, uh, obviously, before all your times, Ian Hesford. He just became a bit of a cult figure, like you know, yeah. like we'll Barry Siddle. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think it just that probably comes from Monty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, that's we, what it is. We've been lucky as well. I mean, we've landed on a few players, even um, Darren Ward. Yeah, I had Darren yeah, Ward. Yeah. He was he was quality. Um, Thomas Meyer. Um, right. we've, we've had loads, so I think it's a case of um, we've loved them because they've been great. Right. And I think that again, last year, there's no getting away from it. The three keepers were bad, but. It's probably been personified by the fact that we've had goalkeepers for a right. long, long yes. time and Stood they've come in wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, so it's not like it's a it's not a graveyard for goalkeepers. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like it's a hard place for goalkeepers to impress. Like you know, what? Uh, Matt Hartley asked, "Did you enjoy your Chinese last night?" Yes, I bumped into Matt. We uh, 
a bit, went to a Chinese in Chester Road, got myself a nice a honey, honey chili chicken. Oh, nice. It was beautiful. Yeah, very nice. I do love Chinese. Uh, I hope, uh, if Matt's listening, I'd hope him and his missus had a nice uh, nice pint in the chest is where they were going. <laughs> so was that you out yesterday after the game? I wasn't out with them, no. No, no, I mean, you were out though in general. Oh, no, no, I just went for... Uh, oh, you just went for a Chinese. Yeah, so, well, when I, when I come back, because I was staying with uh, my parents last night, they live in Millfield, so sometimes I just go for go for a little walk, get myself a Chinese. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I got hammered last night. Did you? Yeah, did I. I did. I went out. Well, it was actually, it was my date night with the, with the wife. Oh, nice one. Well, not, I'm not married. I just called the wife. Just don't know. Yeah, I went for a date night and then basically met my friends who were at the match who were also on their date nights and their girls just sat at one side and we just talked about something. Totally. I had a beef sandwich and the week before that I was in Ikea at half eight. So nice. that's, that's my lifestyle. <laughs> I don't get how many more. I've very, I don't, I've very I don't rarely drink do, but we won. Yeah. It's like what I was saying earlier. I get the fear. Like now, it gets to sort of oh. ten o'clock, and I'm looking at me watch thinking for oh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, I've already said I I already got maybe like six hours last night, which is ridiculous for me because I need like at least eight and a half. And I was like tonight, I'm gonna have to be like half nine. I'm gonna get in from this, literally watch the football league highlights from yesterday, and then go to bed. Crash out. Yeah, I just just can't deal with it anymore. So you know, not much of a drink. Were you drinking when you were playing? Aye. Were you? I was like, I but I mean, I don't know. I'm not a massive drinker. Like you know, what I mean, what's your maybe. what's your opinion on that? Because I mean, it was probably unfounded, but especially when we were in the Premier League, the year we went down, players like Catamol and even Honeyman, I think, got a bit stick for going out. And obviously there's Gibson, but that's a separate case altogether. Um, my opinion is, I think, they're just normal people. Let them go out and have a good time. If you're drinking every night, yeah, there's a problem, but I don't think there's anything wrong with going out on a Saturday night. And No, the, 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 there isn't, to be fair, but I mean... I mean the, the circumstances. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at sort of the stuff with... Um, what was he called last year? Darren Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know, many things like that. It's one, it doesn't look great, and there's just, uh, there's no need. I mean, I, I don't see the don't see the point myself. Like, you know, and everyone keeps going about, oh, well, you've got a curfew, to, you're not allowed to drink two days before before a game. I think that's just common sense. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why do you need to be told not that you shouldn't be drinking alcohol two days before a game? Yeah, if you're you a mean? professional. If you, if, 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 yeah, if you want to give yourself the best chance, don't drink. I mean, mm-hmm. elite level athletes, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, exactly, every, every yeah. player that's playing league football really is an elite level athlete, mm-hmm. even if they're in the league too. Do you know what? I wish, I, I, looking back now, and it's it's obviously in, in retrospect, uh, f- career's finished and pro- probably, and I, I didn't get anywhere near where I wanted to get, where I, th- uh, you know, where I dreamed of playing. And it was like, um, and, I, and then I thought, well, why did I go out? Do you know what did I get from it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Why didn't why didn't I just say it? I mean, I'd, for two years when I was at Sunderland, I didn't... Um, Obviously, after I was eighteen, from about eighteen to twenty, I didn't drink because because uh, I just thought, well, I, you know, I didn't want to give myself an excuse, thinking, well, uh, if I'd stayed in. But then when I finished, like I said, when I finished, career, I thought, well, what was the point? Yeah. You know what I mean, I, I, why didn't I just, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't get where, I, you know, I didn't get there because I was drinking. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, so well, what was the point? Yeah, it didn't didn't help. No, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's, I don't know as well. It is. It's just, it is interesting, I suppose. It is interesting even now because cameras. Everyone's got a camera. And you wouldn't have had a camera 20 years ago. Nobody walks around with a camera. Now everyone's got a mobile phone. If, if, like Darren Gibson last year, slating the whole team. You know, I mean, 20 years ago, that would have just been a story and you wouldn't have believed him. But, but you know, what? like when I was at Sunderland, we, we quite often used to go out on a Tuesday afternoon after training. We'd go and have a few bees. We'd maybe just go to the Ivy House. Mm-hmm. And there'd be about, I don't know, could be 15 to 20 of us go out and we'd go and play cards in the Ivy House on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. That's a team bonding, isn't it? Yeah, it was, but uh, the thing is, nobody used to get wrecked, so we, we'd, um, yeah. few few people would stay out. 
But then we'd go home about seven after we'd had enough and then and then go home, like you know, maybe it was yeah, I don't know. That's that. Hey, we'll move on to the, the Luton game next week. So um what we ex- what what should we expect from Luton? Because it, it for me, I knew nothing going into the Charlton game of what Charlton were. And I'll be brutally honest, I had no idea. I didn't know if we were going to expect a team that was going to play long balls, going to play in behind. I guess with Lyle Taylor, they probably were going to be more in behind. Mm. What do we expect from Luton? We talked before that they're going to have a big lump up front. Is that what we should expect? Hustle and bustle, strength. Same as you, to be honest. I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, I'd imagine they'll be organised. The tip aren't they, to be up there mm, as well. Yeah. They'll lost, be up for it. Lost to Portsmouth yesterday, but again, I th- they might tip to go up along with us. To be honest, Portsmouth. Yeah, I think they'll be decent. Um, they've got Pittman, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I think he'll score a full. Um, it'll be a different game than the Charlton game. I think first game away from home will be totally different. Players will have to be uh, tuned in for that. But it's another opportunity to to get three points and. You know, you look at it just from the names of clubs, the size of clubs. If you start the season with a win against Charlton and a win against Luton, then that's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, and I think Luton just came up. The, the thing that worries me is they've just came up. Mm-hmm. They're playing a big club. Last time we were there, we absolutely dicked them 5-0. Mm-hmm. If you remember donkey's years ago, mm-hmm. and they went the other way and we went up. Uh, you just worry that they're going to be so up for it, so ready, and you just got to be ready for it, don't you? Yeah, but the, the thing is, they are a good side, and they've got a really good coach, Nathan Jones. Yeah, he's got them playing some good stuff. I mean, the, they went up off the back of the the first half of last season. The blue teams away, they're scoring six and sevens, you know, every other week, like you know, and it, it, they've got a, they've got a lot of firepower, and um, I, yeah, I think it'll be a difficult game, to be honest with you, because you know. Teams that are coming up, they've got that momentum as well, like you know, especially if the teams that keep a lot of the players together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think a, a draw will be a decent result, I think. But like again, it depends if we if we start the game like we did last season, uh, last week or, or yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think that there could be a difficult afternoon. Like, yeah, you might you might disagree, but I'd imagine. I mean, from just mainly watching highlights, there's not a great deal between the top end of League Two to really sort of playoff level in mm-hmm. League One. So Not if they come up with the momentum they've had, yeah. um, again, I think, like as I said earlier, I think they'll be up there and it is a really tough game. So a point is a good result. A yeah. win's a fantastic result, but I don't I don't think we're going to read too much into it at this early stage. Yeah, I think it's probably the worst time to, read Luton, to play Luton mm-hmm. Town. Yeah, they're on a high after, after getting promotion. They probably should have won League Two last year. I mean, their opening game was eight an 8-2 win over Yeovil. How about that? <laughs> they were the best team in League Two last season. Just Accrington's had a miracle of a season and beat them to the title. Accurate, not a good team, you know. I mean, yeah, but like, I think yeah, that, almost going like Nathan Jones got a lot of stick last season for saying Luton are a League One team, and the side was a League One side. He got a lot of stick from other fans, but he's he's not wrong. The team that had last year is a League One team, and they were, that's why they walked League Two. Just about with Accurate, who were good as well. But like, I think playing them so early is going to be difficult for us. I'll agree. I think a draw will be a really good result, to be honest. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Luton promoted. Have they lost anyone? Isaac Vassell, he was there. Was he there last year? Or was that year before? Year before. So he went, lost, did he go to Birmingham last year? Yeah. They've lost Ollie Lee. Uh, Ollie Lee's left, went on a free to Hearts, uh, one of the sons of Rob Lee. Mm-hmm. His brother, Elliot's still there. But um, they've brought in a few good players. Jorge Grant was on loan in Notts County last season from Nottingham Forest. He was an excellent midfielder, really good. They've replaced Ollie, uh, Ollie Lee with Jorge Grant. Uh, they've got him on a season-long loan. He's a really good player. Um, tidy on the ball. Uh, it'll be interesting, like, 9 to see how he steps up from 2-1. to one. But... Uh, He's excellent replacing for Lee. And uh, they've got another right back, I think, is Matty Pearson from Barnsley. Hmm. He, I, I like the look of him a lot. I actually wouldn't have been surprised if we were linked with him if Matthews had left. 
uh, he's obviously down at Luton. And then they haven't strengthened much because they've just kept the core of the successful winning team that went on such a good run last year. But I, I would have I would have Yabby come away with the draw. So three three draws. Mm-hmm. Three draws. That's this one, yeah. I think we will win because we are Sunderland and we should win. <laughs> and I just want to be different. Uh, any sort of team predictions, anything? I mean, obviously, we don't know what we're going to sign. Maybe quick prediction on how many in and out. Don't have to give names, but how many do you think will come in? How many do you think will go out before Thursday? Two and, two and one. Two in, one out. Yeah. And I think two more will go out, but after Thursday on loan. All right. Morgan? Three out in total, yeah. And maybe he's push a ball out and say four in. Four? Four. I think maybe a couple of loan deals. Maybe yeah, I think a couple of couple of loans, and um, I think we'll definitely get a replacement for Catamol, and I think we'll either get a striker or somebody who can play up front and wide. Yeah. Have we got any loan players? We've only got Sinclair at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't seem, we were meant to sign that Bothwick Jackson, who ended up at Scunthorpe. It's definitely something that's to 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 fill out the squad. Yeah. There's no point just getting players in for the sake of it. They've got to add something, but like you know, it's, it's definitely. An avenue that can go down that's not going to cost a club a great deal, like you know. Because I mean, <coughs> uh, yeah, I think we'll only get one more permanently at this stage. Personally, I think the rest will be on loan. I'll be curious to see what happens. I, I still think they're going to go big on an, another striker. I don't think that'll be permanent. I'm not sure if it'll be a permanent, but I still think I, I honestly think they'll sign Billy Sharp. I'm, I'm convinced I'm of it. Interested to see how the teams react with the transfer market because this is totally new uh, ground with the transfer window closing mm. so early I think you'll see a lot of teams will react they'll panic and like it happens every year there'll be a domino effect so <laughs> maybe I'll revise me four and say three but uh, I could I could genuinely see a few more coming in okay so what about team predictions for the weekend any changes think you'll stick to these how we ended the game well even he said yesterday they had something they hadn't worked on either like you know and so it just that shows to me that uh, you know it's another reason to be impressed by him like you know I hope he doesn't do what Coleman did where Coleman was like I'm going to play three at the back and then when he played four at the back we played quite well but he was still like no we're a three at the back team and he, he wouldn't change his philosophy around mm. what he had and I hope that Jack Ross sort of sees what works and plays that rather than going no no my philosophy is this yeah I don't know I don't know what you think I think Ross is very adaptable yeah, he's, he's, he's he is like he's proven in the past at Samir and Alawa that he's a manager who changes when he has to. He changes him. He doesn't try and put square blocks in round holes. He does try and change a lot. But I think you'll keep it a back four this week. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Mumba will come out as well. McGee mm-hmm. will come in for Mumba. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 I, if. I could see him bringing nothing that Mumba's done wrong, just because it's a first away game. Just you know, put him on the bench. Maybe bring yeah. him on. If, you know, or win two 0 or something. Well, I mean, it, it depends. Is, will McGee be uh, fit? They're expected, so. be. It's expected to be. Expected to be. I mean, I think it's an easy decision to make. Like yeah. he's, he's he's first name on the team sheet for me as well. well just but who comes I, out? I tell you what, the way that he's he spoke about him, the way that he, the the uh, confidence he's got in him, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he if he just keeps him in there. Yeah. You know, gives him a few games before mm-hmm. taking him out. Yeah, I think he's. Uh... It'd be interesting to see what he does though nine, because nine could he could go either either one two ways. It could be out completely because Mugamba has such a good game, or he could. Think we'll keep him in and see if he reacts. We're getting taken off at half time. I think O'Nine's got a really good, got a good. He's very confident lad, and he's got a good personality. He's intelligent as well. He reads a lot. He's, he's like he's. I think he's learning learning two two or three different languages. He reads quite a lot. He's he's think he's always thinking about how he can improve, and he's always working hard about how he can improve. He'll be he'll, he'll be like house on fire in training this week. That's, that's what he is. Yeah, he'll have that burning desire, won't he? Yeah. 
it's funny. I was um, just before we end. I was talking to Charlie Methvin because I was in the fan zone doing like a little right, thing right. on Saturday, and Methvin was saying that Jack Ross is a you perform in training, you get in the team. That's yeah. how it works. Like you've got to be good in training to get in. I don't think we've actually had that mentality at something for quite a long time. No, but I mean, it's. I think once he gets the team that's you know gets all of the the big hitters out that he wants out, and there's not that big disparity between the. I mean, you look at the difference between some of the the wages from the lads who's, who's still been yeah. there for the last few years to the ones who were coming in. It's huge, like you know, but it's it's the way it has to be, you know. And how, I think how does that work in the dressing room? If you know, <laughs> if you're sitting there and you know Mickey Ox say, say he's on five grand a week, I don't know what he's actually on, and he's looking at Oviedo's on nearly ten times. Is that like an issue? Or do you just ignore it? Is it there? Well, it, I, well, it depends. Uh, Brian Oviedo doesn't come across as a type of fellow. He would make an issue, to be fair. But you're right, if there's a few of them like that, I don't know, it depends how they are. I mean, you get some lads who, who are a bit flash like that, who like, they'll do it for banter and like, and you know, and ask how much you're on and, uh, or whatever, like, you know, and if you, if you try and take the piss out of them, they'll try and put you down with that, like, you know what I mean? So mm. it's, it, it just depends how they are in the room, but I, I, I don't know, I don't know, it's just, I don't think I've ever been in the dressing room where somebody's been ten times as much as me. Yeah. Have I? No. I don't know what. Maybe I, if you were a kid. But, well, well yeah. yeah, when I was at Sunderland, yeah. Christ. Clean, cleaners <laughs> were getting ten times as much as I was at Sunderland. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think we're all done. Unless anybody's got any final thoughts. No. David, thanks for coming on. Cheers. Uh, thanks for having me. We'll, we'll have you again in the future. Hopefully we want Total League One in Christmas time or something. You can come back on. Uh, Morgan, good debut. Solid. Thanks. Six. Maybe six, yeah, seven um, out of ten. Probably yellow card, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And Nichols, you were a gobshite as always. <laughs> <laughs> um, so follow on Instagram, uh, Rogue Report TV's back in full swing now. You know, Twitter, you always get all those. I presume this week we'll probably have some transfer exclusives kicking on uh, on the site. So yeah, make sure you keep track of all that and follow these guys on Twitter. You'll be able to find them. Hey, what's your Twitter, David? Mine's David Priest Twelve. Why twelve? You could get David Priest just in general. I, I don't. Well, I think it's because I was on the bench at the time. You think? That was my squad number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Nichols, what are you? What are you on? Are you just James Nichols? Ah, James Nichols, yeah, yeah. spelled weirdly. N I C K E L S. And Morgan, what are you? Just Morgan Lowry. At Morgan Lowry, yeah. Nice. I'm just that kind of Dead original. So you're the other one with the numbers at the end. I know, yeah. yeah. But you're verified. How does that actually work? How do you get verified? No, you're not Asking for a friend. Swan flying <laughs> with an envelope. And... <laughs> don't know. Did it just happen? Hmm? Oh. I thought you'd have to like apply. And, 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 you're not famous. You know, everyone calls it a blue tick, <laughs> where it's actually a white tick. It's yeah, true. yeah, it's no a blue so. box. Yeah, it's a blue circle. Yeah. Yeah. Must be quite. You don't get any perks. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. No. Do you know what I mean? Just don't nice that. Right? I don't act differently. Do you know what I mean? I'm still a knobhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blue tick that follows you around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, uh, yes. Thanks for everyone for coming on and. Yeah, enjoy one the commuter way go wherever you're listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
the secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.